Today on the Inside BS Show, we've got another special look behind the scenes in my business development community. This is a community of like-minded professionals who meets twice a week, and we pass referrals. We share all the best practices in all of our businesses, but most importantly, I give you a roadmap to developing the business that will enable your lifestyle. Today we're talking about closing deals and it's a lively discussion. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Inside BS Show where we take you inside my business development community and talk about closing deals. So let's start with you describing to me and you all don't have to do this. Those of you who want to volunteer, you can, you can uh, describe it to me. Describe to me what the process is like uh, for people to get to a point where you have a conversation about working with them. So uh, somebody just wave at me if you want to tell me what the process is like before you, but when you're ready to talk about money, when you're ready to talk about, you know, what you would consider closing the deal. Who wants, to, who wants to tell me what that process is like in your in your practice, in your business? Steve Klitzner. All right, well, when um, somebody calls, they speak to Josh at the office, he makes sure they have a problem that I could potentially help them on. And then he sets up an appointment for them to come in and see me or to speak on the phone, or we talk right then. And that's the process. I've, I've got somebody now on the phone who has a problem I can potentially help them. Perfect. Okay. So uh, what Steve has highlighted there is one of the four elements that qualifies someone to sit across from you. Okay. There are four things that qualify someone to sit across from you. The first is they have to have a problem you can solve, right? The second, anybody want to take a guess as, as to what the second is? Money. They got to be able to pay you. I was right? just about to say that, but I was muted. They have to be able to pay you. Right, right. <laughs> I don't want you, look, you can have conversations all day long with people who, uh, who can't pay you, but that's useless. It's, and it's frustrating, and I, and I personally hate it. So I don't want you to have to experience that. So they have to have a problem you can solve and they have to have money, all right? The third element is- They have to be able to make a decision. At a boy, spoken like a 12-year <laughs> alum of the Dave Lorenzo School of Hard Knocks, right? They have to be able to decide whether or not to hire you. You will have great conversations with people who have no decision-making authority. And the reason that you'll have great conversations with them is because they got nothing to lose because they can't decide anything. They don't have the authority, right? And this is true in husband and wife situations. It's true in B2B situations where sometimes somebody's doing research and they don't tell you they're doing research. The fourth thing, and I don't, didn't specifically highlight this fourth thing uh, in previous teachings, it was kind of a byproduct, but now I'm really breaking it out, is urgency. They have to have some urgency. And the urgency is receiver-based. So 
the urgency could be that they're being sued and they need somebody to defend them like tomorrow, or they could just perceive that there's an event that's going to happen. So in Chris's case, he told us he was working with some people who were, you know, who had weddings coming up. Let's say the wedding date was set and they need, uh, they need suits. They, there's urgency, right? They don't know what the lead time is going to be. Chris says the lead time is three months. Well, the wedding is in four months. Well, we better make a decision today. So there has to be urgency. So a problem you can solve, right? The ability to make a decision, money and urgency. All right. Now, the reason that I, I never spent a, a lot of time highlighting calling out urgency separately was because the creation of urgency is built in the process that I teach. So, um, but I want you to intentionally be able to see when, uh, when we're creating urgency. So I highlight that in, in my teaching of this now. So let's talk about these things. If you, if you didn't know me and you only read that part of the book or you only caught that part of a podcast or caught that part of a video that I'm teaching this on, you could then stop right there and your life would improve 100% from a closing perspective because you'd be on the phone with someone and you would say, all right, tell me what the problem is. Why do you want to solve this problem? Why do you want to solve it now? Are you the only person that's going to make this decision? And are you, do you, can you pay me, right? If you wanted to be crass and you just said that, your life would improve 100%, right? But you, you don't wanna say that because you're afraid to say that, especially about the money. So that's the place where I wanna start our conversation, right? We're all afraid, Steve, Steve Siegel, please. Yeah, Dave, I can't tell you how many times, particularly on the phone, I'll get somebody who says, hello, I'm the office manager for this or that. I know where this is going. Go ahead, Steve. Right. You know it. You know, yada, yada. Dr. So-and-so wants to know if. Right. I can't blow them off. Sure. But I, but I can't get past uh, the, the office manager because Dr. So-and-so is very busy. Right. Right. Okay. So your question is, what do you do? Yeah. All right. So um, that's a that's a great question, and and um, your your process is a little bit more um, sophisticated than say a pharma rep, but the principle of getting to the ultimate decision maker is is kind of the same. So here's here are some of the things that you can do. Okay. Of course, you have to treat the the office manager like he or she is gold. Um, I, there are people out there who will teach that, you know, the gatekeeper is somebody you try to go around, you try and <laughs> try and bypass them. I, I've never taught that. I don't believe that. All right. I believe that these people, they can be powerful allies if you win them over to your side. So the way to win them over to your side is to, is to make them part of the process. So what I do is I say, of course, Dr. Smith is, is really busy. Let's talk about why Dr. Smith has uh, given you this important task, right? And then you talk about what the, basically what you're doing here is you're pumping that gatekeeper for information 
and then you're going to help the gatekeeper understand that you're going to make him or her a hero so that they're celebrated when they walk you into the office, right? right. Oh my gosh, thank God you found this guy, Steve Siegel. He's going to solve this problem for me. So what you want to do, number one, is you want to get as much information out of the gatekeeper as possible. So the first thing you do, the, you know, the scripting is, well, I'm really glad that I got you then because um, you, know, you and I can work together to make Dr. Smith's life really easy. And in this process, you're going to be you know, the hero of the story. You're going to be the most important person because I'm going to do everything I can behind the scenes to help you solve this incredible problem for him. So immediately you've won that person over. Everybody likes to hear that, all right? And then the second thing you're gonna do is you're going to, and that, at that point, the gatekeeper is gonna open up to you and they're gonna say, oh, Steve, let me tell you, Dr. Smith, and they're gonna tell you exactly how to sell Dr. Smith. Dr. Smith is very detail-oriented and he likes to see a lot of data and Dr. Smith needs to solve this problem because he, uh, he's concerned about succession planning and he wants his son to take over the practice. And if he doesn't structure the practice the right way, the, the son's gonna have to pay a lot of taxes and they don't wanna do that. So you're gonna have all of this information. And then after you get all the information down, you're gonna be able to find out everything from the gatekeeper because the gatekeeper is gonna think that they're a hero. And you're going to say, you're going to say to the gatekeeper, all right, now there's two ways we can go with this. When you and I go in to present to Dr. Smith, I can prep you and you can do the presentation or I can do the presentation and you can assist me. Which way do you think makes the most sense? Okay. Now here's the beauty of, of offering this option. Even if they say they want to do the presentation, 80% of the time they're going to back out or they're gonna start the presentation and the doctor's gonna ask them a question they can't answer and you're gonna take over the presentation at that point. But no matter what happens, you're giving that person the illusion of control. And that's my main point, Steve. When you've got a gatekeeper, particularly in a medical practice like an office manager, right? And I come across this at, at larger law firms. When you got somebody who's a gatekeeper, that gatekeeper has to be the hero of the story until they turn it, the story over to you. Once the gatekeeper says, well, that's more of a question that Steve can answer, that's it, you're in. So, but the, the gatekeeper, the reason that this is gonna work so well, and particularly with your personality, because you're, you know, you're, they're gonna perceive you as the nicest guy in the world, nobody else is gonna treat this person like you're treating them. So if they're, if they're talking to three people, the other two people are going to be condescending. They're going to try and get past them. They're going to try and cut them out of the loop. You're going to make this person your ally and you're going to do the presentation in conjunction with them, you know, until they're not comfortable anymore. And they're going to want you there because they have that, that perception of control. And if you don't remember anything else from, from, you know, this little conversation, this, this, this little five minutes, perception of control is critically important whether you're dealing with you know a property manager from a real estate litigation perspective an office manager in a law firm or the office manager or business manager for a medical practice this is also helpful for those of you who work with cpas if the cpa wants to be involved in uh in the um you know in the matter or if you have a referring attorney who wants to co-counsel the case 
right? And Nancy, this is for you, right? You got a transactional attorney who brings you in and they took an IP class in law school 50 years ago and they think they know about IP law, right? And so they want to co-counsel the case with you. Making that other person the hero until they say, well, that's a question Nancy can answer. That, that is ultimately the way to go, all right? Is that helpful? Does that work? All right. Yeah. And, and you know, if you ever have a specific matter, Steve, where this comes up, I think it would be helpful if you want to, if, you, if you're comfortable discussing it with the group, we can, we can dissect the specific matter because, you know, when we have specifics, it always, it always works out well. And, you know, offline, uh, when, we're, when we're not recording, um, I can share a couple of different stories about uh, me and how this has worked for me. Some of my, some of my uh, best clients have come as a result of making the gatekeeper the hero. And the gatekeepers are really good friends of mine now. Um, the one story I can tell you, I, I write about it in the book, and I think I've talked about it a number of times, is my, the relationship that put me on the map when I was at Gallup at Ann Taylor. We had a, a, a mid-level HR person who uh, wanted to be a hero, came to a seminar that we hosted, and I said to her, here's what you need to do. And you, you should pitch this to the CEO because he's the ultimate decision maker and you should offer to bring your boss in. Her boss thought it was a horrible idea and said, go pitch it yourself. I don't want to be involved. I prepped her for the pitch and she ultimately said, you know what? I'm not comfortable with the data. Will you come with me? She did the pitch. I sat in the back of the room. The CEO said, who's that guy and why is he here? And she introduced me. And when she covered the data, she turned to me when he had questions about the data and I answered them. And I immediately had a relationship with the, with the CEO. So it was, uh, you know, it was, it's one of those things where I had nothing to lose by making her a hero. I didn't have the business anyway, right? So why not? And, you know, here's the other thing about this. It really, it makes you feel good as a human being to treat the, treat the office manager with dignity and make them, you know, make them a critical part of the process because their guard immediately drops when you tell them, listen, everything's going to go through you. You know, one of the lines we use all the time to qualify who the decision maker is, is I, I have people say, who else should we involve in this process? Right? If I'm not sure I'm talking to a decision maker and, and I got them on the phone. All right. So I got all the information, Steve, thanks for calling. And I understand this is what your budget is. I understand here's what you're looking to accomplish. Um, Sometimes I'll say, is there a committee or, uh, you know, a, a, a group that you're going to be presenting to? Uh, and sometimes they'll still be a little cagey. I'll say, all right, who else do we need to involve in this process? Is there anyone I need to help um, prep you to meet with behind the scenes? Uh, and then when I say help prep you to meet with, all of a sudden they think to themselves, oh, all right, this guy wants to help me. Um, maybe I should tell him. You know, and you, you, you can always tell because, you know, the, if, if somebody's calling you for something that has a huge budget and the person calling you, um, you know, and you say to them, well, what do you do at the company? And they say, oh, you know, I, 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 I you know, I, I answer the phones and I, uh, I order stuff. And I mean, you know that they're not the one who's going to make the ultimate decision. So, you know, who else can we involve in this process? That's a pretty good. Uh, that's a pretty good way to to figure it out. Okay. All right. So let's talk about money. Everybody's uh, who uh, who who amongst us 
<laughs> the the nine of us who are here, the ten of us, well, nine of us and me who are here, who amongst us likes to talk about money with their clients? No, all right. Okay. So talk to me about your hangups with mentioning money with your clients. What are you concerned about? I actually don't. I, um, I mean, because of the transactional nature of what I do, I, that comes up immediately. It's like, oh, I have, you know, these 10 contracts that have to be translated. It's like, okay, here's when you can have them. Here's a fee. I need your credit card information. I mean, it's very cut and dry. Good. That's good. I do pretty much the same thing because I too am a transactionalist. Uh -huh. um, and um, I work very flat fee. Um, there's very, very little that I do by the hour. Okay. Um, so my money discussion happens in my engagement letter. I spell it out right there. Okay. And uh, if they so you don't you don't talk about it before the letter, they get the letter and they're like, oh sometimes, my god. Sometimes I do. Sometimes yeah. I do. Okay. Um, sometimes I don't. Mm. Um, it it kind of depends on how well I know the person. Um, you know, is, is this a repeat client? If it's not a repeat client, then yes, I will introduce them to the fact that yes, a patent is an expensive commodity. Right. A trademark is an expensive commodity. Sure. You're, you know, you're going to be paying, you're going to be paying several thousand dollars for these things. Right. Um, and, um, but, uh, you know, and, and uh, I often, you know, if, if they, if they, if they balk at the fee, um, that is a, that's a red flag for me. That tells me that, you know, if they're going to balk at, at my initial fees, what are they going to do down the road? Do I need right. that headache? Right. Sure. Um, sure. so, so, uh, you know, I, I do, uh, you know, I, I do talk money with them. I, but your question was, do you like to take my, talk money? Right. Right. No, <laughs> I don't. All right. I, I'm assuming that everybody here doesn't like to have this conversation, but you all, you all like money, right? Is there anybody here who doesn't like, of course. All right. Okay. So there's, a fear, the, there's a fear of rejection, yeah. of disappointing the person. Right. You know, sometimes people say, well, that's fair, and I gosh, I should have charged more. <laughs> and other times their neck jerks back. I kind of like that. But sometimes the mood changes after I tell them the fee. Right. And well, I, I, I had one guy actually lambast me for daring to charge him any money at all for, for, uh, <clears throat> For, uh, for my services. Needless to say, he wasn't a client of mine. Um, I, got, I got to tell you, though, if I cut a good story, you'll like this. I had a client come in on a Saturday, which I don't usually do. I'm in town around the corner. My son, Josh, had already qualified him. He says, this guy's going to be a bit of a problem, you know, but talk to him. So I talk to him. I go through it, and I always want to wait to the end because I don't want to give him a fee. And then they go, oh, and I also have this. Then I always feel bad. So he keeps asking me, the I go, wait, wait, and I get all the info. And I realized it was a pretty simple case, much simpler than we thought. And I said, the fee is $3,500. And he goes, Steve, yeah, I like you. And I'm like, here we go. And I really want to work with you. And I'm like, okay. It's not you, it's me. I'm going to get the whole thing. And he goes over and over again, this $3,500. I'll give you $5,000. And I said, okay. <laughs> he, he negotiated for a higher fee. Yeah. It's the weirdest thing. So um, he rejected my $3,500 and he paid me five grand. 
Wow. So I have I have a similar I have a similar story. It's nowhere near as good. Uh, when I was when I was really really young, uh, and I was I was at ExecuStay, I I carried accounts everywhere I've been. I've always carried accounts, which means I always I would always go out and sell. So I ran I ran the business, but I had an inside salesperson, and I managed the financial services sector. And we were going to a meeting with our client at Goldman Sachs, and we were housing their uh, MBA program for the summer in the Wall Street area of New York City. And that was, uh, I think at the time, we had uh, the most we had ever charged them for, that, for, this whole, for the housing of this whole program for six months was like five, $5.3 million or something. And the numbers were all fixed. We knew how many people were coming. So I'm on the subway with my my uh, inside salesperson and we're talking about it. And she was she was really good, very seasoned, very experienced. And I'm like, listen, you know, we need a we budget wise, we need to get this account up. We need an increase. We know what the numbers are. Do you think we can get 6.1, 6.2 out of them? She and so we spent the 30 minute subway ride going on and on about whether we should charge 6.1 or 6.2 million. You know, would they balk if we said 6.2? So I said, listen, I'm going to go in there and I'm just going to ask them what their budget is. And she's like, they're never going to tell you. I'm like, you're right. But, you know, it'll break the ice. They're never going to tell me. I know. So I walk in there and we, uh, you know, we were going to have a business meeting and then we were going to go to lunch. And so I walk in there, we're talking, exchange pleasantries. And I said, listen, I know that, uh, you know, we usually dance around this subject and we usually wait until after lunch. I got to be candid with you. I want to enjoy my lunch. I need to know if we're going to be able to house your group or not. And the guy he leans forward in his chair. He's like, what do you mean? We've been working with you guys for years. I'm like, I know, but I, you know, I need to know if, you know, the, if time has passed us by here, I don't know, you know, if, what's your budget? If you tell me what your budget is, I can let you know if we can do this or not. He's like, what's my budget? I'm like, yeah, I mean, you know, what have you got to spend on this program? I'm just not sure we can accommodate you. He's like, listen, I want to enjoy my lunch too. We can't spend a penny more than 8 million. And I'm like, I look over at Melissa and I'm like, man, you know, Melissa and I were talking about it on the subway on the way up here. And she was telling me that you would never agree to pay 8.3 million. And I said, look, if we can do it for 8.1, we'll do it for 8.1. If you could go to 8.1, we can probably all just go to lunch and enjoy it. And the guy is like, all right, I can probably do it for that. <laughs> so we rode home on the subway, just dumbfounded, absolutely dumbfounded. <laughs> so the line is, what's your budget, okay? 90% of the time, they won't tell you, okay? But the 10% of the time, they're always going to tell you more than you ever expected to charge them. So the, the line is, what's your budget for this? They're going to say, I don't know. We didn't plan on this. And here's the thing, okay? So like Doug K is going to go to his client, what's your budget? And they're going to be like, well, we weren't planning on getting sued, Doug. So we don't have a budget for this, right? So here's the thing, okay? The, for, in that case where it's an emergency or it's something unexpected that has come up, what you say to them is, listen, uh, I need to know if we're, gonna, if, if we're gonna be a good fit. And there's a lot of questions where we're gonna have to ask each other. But one of the main questions is, 
what were you, you know, what were you planning to invest to solve this problem? And they're going to say, listen, Doug, I, I wasn't planning. I didn't plan on, you know, this guy stealing my intellectual property. I didn't plan on, you know, this guy stealing my clients. Um, you know, we're going to have to sue him. I, I don't know. And then the second line is, you know, it's un understandable. Look, I, I get it. Um, what would this cost you if you didn't address it? What's, so in other words, you're getting to the value of what you're providing. Anytime you can shift the focus away from what they have to shell out and to the value, you're having a good discussion, okay? Remember weeks ago, weeks ago, we talked about um, the three ways that you can demonstrate value to people, right? You can uh, you know, prevent or solve a problem, you can reduce risk or you can help them make money. And in some cases you can do all three, right? So if you are having a discussion with these folks and you say, what were you planning on spending to solve this problem? And you know, there, it's a bet the company litigation. Uh, you, you can even skip over that question and say, look, if you didn't address this or if this doesn't go your way, what is the, what is the outcome? Well, the outcome is it's gonna cost me $10 million. Well, that's great because my fee is going to be way less than $10 million. You know, my fee may be 10% of that, right? So shifting the conversation to value is where you want to be when you discuss fees. So, you know, your homework from today's session, if you want to take anything away, is to look at the last two or three clients that you've worked with and look at the value you're providing, right? So in Carmen's case, she's probably thinking, well, the value of a translation, my value is the same as somebody else's. Well, no. What if somebody else screwed up that translation and that translation blew up the deal, right? Or what if somebody screwed up the translation and the translation destroyed the relationship? So there is value there, you know? Steve Siegel, what's up? Yeah, speaking for, my, for, for the, the uh, potential clients I deal with, most of them wouldn't know whether somebody screwed it up at the time. They, they don't know. Good. They don't appreciate it. That's better. Well, look, if somebody... If I guess it, no, because, because then, then the issue becomes, you know, you know, when they ask you what, you, what it's going to cost you, what it's going to cost, and you say, well, you know, what's, what's it worth to you? Their answer is, what's the difference? Well, what is worth to me? I want to know how much it's going to cost. Right. Okay. So here's the thing, Steve. From the, from the minute you start speaking to people as suspects, all the way through to when they're prospects, to the point where you're getting to, to this uh, conversation, right. you're, you're framing the issues for them, Right. So if they don't know, it's almost better because I would rather take someone that I have to educate and frame the issue the way I want them to see it so that when I present it as a value-based discussion, they get it. So let me give you, a, let me give you an example, right? So somebody, uh, let's, let's just say, make, let's make it really, really simple because I don't know the ins and outs of healthcare law. Let's just say a, 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 a practice that they're selling, right? Okay. So, so I'm, I'm going to hire a lawyer to sell the practice, right? So the way I would frame the discussion is I would say, listen, 
there are, you know, a dozen lawyers in, you know, in big firms that you could hire that could do this for you and they could do it at a level of competence. So if you're just looking for competence, if you're just looking for someone to help you sell the practice, you can hire a dozen different lawyers. But with those dozen different lawyers, you're going to be on a roller coaster. And here's the reason why. And you're going to tell them about all the different things that lawyers do to screw up deals, right? And you're going to say, my competitive advantage, one of them anyway, is I keep you off the roller coaster. I want to help you get this deal closed as quickly and as seamlessly as possible. And the reason is, and I'm making this up, Steve, so I don't know if this is how you do it. And the reason is because I have a pricing structure for my services where you pay an investment up front. I do this for you. I'm not motivated to string this along on an hourly basis. My interests are aligned with your interests. That's one of five different things that make me different from the other lawyers that you're going to work with. So I want this to go smoothly and quickly, whereas lawyers who are billing by the hour, they have a fiduciary responsibility to get the deal closed, but the longer they take, the more money they make. Now, if you want to hear the other four things that make me different, I'm happy to tell you. So what did I just do there? I framed this, right? And I educated them and showed them exactly what they were thinking all along, right? They were thinking all along, these damn lawyers, they're gonna string this out, they're gonna bill me by the hour. All of a sudden, here's a guy who's taking me behind the curtain. He's telling me something honest. Uh, he's, so he's got four other things that make him different. I believe him on the first one. Let me hear the other four things, okay? So you get to, because they don't understand, you get to frame the discussion. So you can show them all the things that make you different then. And because that first thing, and you don't have to use the price thing. If it makes you uncomfortable and you'd rather do it by the hour, we can find something else that will open that doorway for you. But the key is that you're framing the discussion so that they see it the way you want them to see it. You're not being dishonest. You're just showing them all the stuff that nobody sees. And here's the reason why other people don't do this, Steve. Well, there's two reasons. One, most people don't know to do this. But the second reason is, even if they know this, this is a lot of work. You gotta, it's intellectually heavy lifting. You gotta think in advance about how you're gonna have this discussion. You gotta prepare for it. And then you gotta be patient. And you gotta draw it out in them. And once you draw it out in them, well, listen, I'm talking to some other people. You got to be confident and you got to be prepared to handle that. One of the things I used to love, I don't get it very much anymore, but one of the things, because I'm kind of like a unicorn, but one of the things I used to love is when they used to tell me, oh, we're talking to like, we're talking to three other people. We'll let you know, you know, first of all, I shouldn't be in that meeting and hearing that for the first time. I should have made sure upfront that I knew they were talking to other people. But when I do hear that, I like to do a couple of things. I like to say, okay, if, you know, if I were to tell you everything you wanted to hear, would you still take those other meetings? When you say that to people, it knocks them out of their chair and they go, gee, like, what do you mean? And I say, if I met all your criteria, all of your criteria from price to experience to being able to deliver the outcome you wanted, if I met all those criteria, would you still talk to other people? and they sit back in their chair, if they say yes, then your response is why, right? And they can't answer it, right? They can't answer it. 
If I meet all the criteria, I mean, I'm within your budget. I got all the experience you want. I'm a great guy. I'm going to help you be successful. Would you talk to somebody else? If they say no, then you say, all right, what's your criteria? And they tell you and you show them how you can meet it and you're done. Well, sort of. Carmen. I was going to say, um, and at least in my case, it's, it comes down to price. So like what you said, you know, if I meet all your criteria, you know, would you, you know, would you go with me? Don't they come back with, well, we want to see, you know, what other options there are, you know, in terms of, you know, fee. Do you ever get that? Um, so you could get it if you're qualifying people properly, that should come up before they're in front of you. All right. So the, so if you're, if you're having the qualifying conversation first, you shouldn't be in that position. If they say, we want to see what else we could get, you know, we want to see if we can get it cheaper. Mm -hmm. I, what I, I do, I do a couple of things in that, in that scenario. First, you know, I'm going to go home and beat myself up because I shouldn't have been in that room in the first place. I should have, I should have discovered this, that they were a price-based client ahead of time. Right? So the first thing I say is, oh, I understand. Um, let me ask you something. Do you, you know, usually what I'll say is, do you, uh, you know, is there anything that you've ever paid a premium for? And they'll, they'll say to me, well, what are you talking about? Well, you know, have you, have you paid more for a car or for a suit or have you ever paid more to stay in a better hotel? And they'll say, yes, because everybody has, everybody's decided to upgrade at some point somewhere. And then I ask them why they did that. And whatever reason they tell me, I use that as the reason for me being a better option for the other person. So for example, have you ever paid more uh, for, for something? And they'll go, well, what do you mean, Dave? And I say a car or upgraded your hotel or bought a better quality suit or clothing. And then they'll say, yes, you know, on my anniversary, instead of staying at a Hilton, we stayed at a Ritz Carlton. Oh, interesting. How was the trip? Oh, it was great. We had a great time. You know, my husband was really thrilled. Perfect. Why did you decide to upgrade then? Well, it was my anniversary. I wanted a better experience, right? Okay. So here we are at work and you need these translations done. What happens if they're not done right? Well, if the translations aren't done right, then, you know, candidly, I could get fired. We could blow the deal. Okay. So, you know, I've got 50 letters of recommendation that I have here in this folder that I'm going to give you when I leave. You can call any of those people and they'll tell you about my services. I also will offer you a guarantee that if you're not happy with the translation, we will redo it for free. Um, aside from that, all of that, you know, we've been in business for 30 years and we have a great reputation in the legal community. So, you know, given all of those things, would you trust someone who's going to turn this over to an 18 year old? Or would you, you know, would you rather trust? Is it, you know, is it just not that important and you'd rather give it to somebody who's inexperienced? You know, explain to me the level of experience that you want here and the experience that you want to have in, in having us and this relationship. You know, there's two things people are paying for besides whatever your service is. They're paying for the experience you provide and they're paying for an upgraded level of service, okay? So the experience in working with you has to be better than the experience in working with everybody else in your field. 
What does that mean? Well, it might mean that you return their phone call. It might mean that you remember the names of their kids. It might mean that if they need something by five o'clock on a Saturday, you provide it at five o'clock on a Saturday. Whatever, whatever you want the experience to be, it has to be consistent. So they have a better experience and they get a better level of service, a better relationship. They have a better, a better quality relationship. You know, I, um, I do this thing and I did it with Doug's firm um, and it was very successful. And I did it with Rosenberg and Estes, uh, several members of their firm watch these videos. And what happened was they wanted to pit me against someone else. And rather than get all angry and say, I'm not a commodity, you can't do that to me. I welcomed the opportunity for them to compare me to somebody else. And I said, here are the criteria I want you to judge us on. Notice, to Steve Siegel's point, I framed the criteria, right? The other person didn't frame the criteria. I thought to do that. Number one, return on investment. I want you to compare us, return on the money you invested. So this other person was way cheaper than me, by the way, way, way cheaper in both cases, in Doug's firm's case and in the case of Rosenberg and Estes. I said, the second thing I want you to compare me on is the experience the participants have. I want to create, help you create a survey. I'll give you the questions I think you should ask. You can come up with your own. And I want you to survey them at three months, at six months, at nine months, and at the one year mark for the experience they're having in the program. I said, and then the third thing that I want you to, uh, to compare me on is the, uh, compare us on, is the relationship that you and I have. And when I say the relationship, it's the intangibles. It's the things that most people don't think about. And in both of the cases, that's what got me, that's what got me the deal. So in the case of Doug's firm, I did 10 people the first year. I, I trained 10 people the first year. And the other guy, it was, a, it was a guy trained, I think, 50 or 40. And my 10 people out-earned the other person's 40. I was more expensive, but he, I, we uh, provided a better return on investment. Plus, I actually went out of my way and referred business to Doug's firm. And when I referred the business, I called the managing shareholders with the referral. And one of the cases that I referred to the firm I don't think they closed it, but they were able to meet with some high profile people with somebody who is uh, a target of the Mueller uh, investigation and they needed a lawyer in Maryland uh, to help them out. And like Tim Lynch, the managing shareholder was thrilled that I was able to connect them with somebody involved in a case like that. So the relationship that I developed with Tim was head and shoulders above the other guy's relationship. So I had return on investment and relationship. And then when they surveyed the 10 participants, all, all 10 participants said, I, you know, I can call Dave anytime he takes my call. I can call Dave walking into a meeting and he'll give me something to say that will help me. I can call Dave with a specific problem. So the level of service was even head and shoulders above. So what did I do there? When I found out that I was part of this, what we would call like a beauty contest, right? I set the criteria and then I said, all right, in this criteria, relationship, return on investment and service, I want you to uh, experience, relationship, return on investment and experience, I want you to, uh, to judge and see who's better, right? So anytime you find yourself being pigeonholed as a commodity, reframe the discussion to those three things, return on investment, relationship and the experience that people are going to have.
Make sense? All right. So when it comes to closing the deal, I wanna I wanna share. We got we have 15 minutes left, and I wanna I wanna share kind of the continuum here. Okay. Closing the deal actually starts when you decide whether or not this person is qualified to be a client. So the first phone call is, as Steve Klitzner so eloquently put it, you figure out if they have a problem, if they have money, and they have the ability to make a decision, and then you get to what the urgency is, right? If they meet all those criteria, before you set a meeting with them, I want you to have a conversation with them that's, that's completely and totally candid. And the conversation is going to explain to them how the meeting is going to go, all right? So this could be a meeting on the phone, it could be like this, it could be a Zoom meeting, it could be a meeting where you're in person, you're face to face. And the conversation you have with them goes like this. Uh, Mr. Rose, you and I uh, got together because you told me that you need uh, a case full of widgets and I manufacture widgets. So I think we're gonna get together uh, and decide, we're gonna have a meeting and talk about whether it makes sense for us to work together. Here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to schedule some time on your calendar next week. And I want to, uh, I wanna ask you some questions. You're gonna need to ask me some questions. I'm sure you wanna know all about the experience my firm has manufacturing widgets, what guarantees we provide that our widgets will be successful. Um, and uh, what the process is like. I have some questions for you because I'm only one person, I can't work with everybody. So I'm gonna need to ask you some questions as well. The meeting is gonna be about 30 minutes long. And at the end of our time together, we're gonna make a mutual decision. You're gonna decide, I'm gonna decide whether it makes sense for us to work together or to continue the process. Um, does that make sense? And then Neil says, sure, sure, that makes sense. So then I would say, now, Neil, listen, we're both adults here. At the end of that meeting, we can come to the decision that, yes, we're going to work together, or the decision that, no, we're not a good fit, and we'll just part company as friends. It'll be great. We'll have spent some time together. I'll have made a new friend. You'll have made a new friend. The one thing I want to caution you about is saying that you need to think it over or saying maybe. I wanna make sure that we don't waste our time. So I'm gonna do a lot of research on your company in advance. I will send you some material on my company. You should feel free to research my company in advance. But if we agree to have this meeting, at the end of the meeting, we're both gonna make a decision and we're gonna share that decision with each other as to whether or not it makes sense to work together. Will you agree to do that? Then you stay quiet and you don't say another word. If the person says anything but yes, of course, right? If they say anything but yes, you don't have the meeting, okay? You don't wanna go back six times. You wanna, get, you wanna get to the point where when you're sitting in front of that person, you're gonna get a yes or a no. And you gotta be okay with a no, all right? Your confidence is not gonna be shaken. Now here's what happens when you do this. Most people are not used to hearing this. So they're gonna say, wait a minute, would you say that again? And you say, sure, of course. You say, yeah, it's funny. Funny you asked me to say it again. All my clients do that because they're not used to somebody being this honest. We're gonna meet, I'm gonna ask you questions, you're gonna ask me questions. You can say yes or you can say no. I'll say yes or I'll say no. If we're not in agreement, we'll part company as friends. 
But the one thing is we're not going to think it over. We're going to make a decision right then and there. Does that work for you? Sure, it works for me. All right. Then when the meeting starts, you're going to reiterate exactly what you just said. So, Mr. Rose, thank you for welcoming me to this Zoom call. Thank you for welcoming me into your office. You know, the kids are good. Great. Everybody doing well. Fantastic. Um, listen, I just want to recap what we talked about on the phone. We're going to get together. We got about 25 minutes left. We're going to talk about widgets. You're going to ask me questions. I'll have you go first. I'm going to ask you some questions. And then we're going to decide whether or not we're a good fit. If we're not a good fit, one of us says no. We part company as friends. No problem. Um, if we are a good fit, we'll talk about what the next steps are. What we're not going to do, we're not going to think it over. Ask me all the questions. If the meeting goes long, I'll stay and answer all your questions. Okay? Are we still in agreement? Yes, Dave, we're still in agreement. Good. You have the meeting, you do your best, and you get an answer at the end. What you will find is that setup on the phone, that's the actual close. You're going to get in front of somebody who's going to give you a yes or a no. Okay? They've agreed to give you a yes or a no before you get to the meeting. So you go in the meeting and you'll have done your other qualifying. You'll know what the issue is. You'll, you'll be able to demonstrate a return on investment. You'll be able to demonstrate the, the experience you're going to provide them. You're going to demonstrate that you want to build a relationship with them. My preference is that you walk into that meeting have, having already referred them some business if you can, right? So they know that you've demonstrated that you want to build a relationship with them. Then they ask you their questions and you're there to answer all their questions. You're there to help them. And, you know, if they say no, they say no. But you're setting yourself up for success. You do that before the meeting. You do that at the beginning of the meeting. Now, look, if it's a, if it's a one call close, so in, like in Carmen's case, people are calling you for translations and it's somebody who says, you know, the reason I'm calling you is I, I'm, I just started this case and I found out that I got all these documents that have to be translated like immediately. You say, okay, let me make sure I understand. You have these documents that need to be translated immediately. What's your budget? Um, you know, the, the documents need to be translated immediately. So there's some urgency. Um, let me ask you, are you, you know, if, if we agree that we're a good fit, would you be ready to send the documents over to me today so I could get a jump start on this? And they, if they, that, that's, that's your version of doing this in that one call, in, that, in that, the beginning of that call. Well, sure, Carmen, if we're a good fit, I'll send you the documents tonight. Okay, great. All right. So that, that part, if you do that, you're going to make your life a lot easier. You have two factors going for you, okay? The first factor is people love to know what's going to happen, right? If you've ever had an invasive medical procedure, right? When the doctor tells you, this is what's gonna happen, and this is what it's gonna feel like, your imagination always takes you to the worst case scenario, right? Men, you're gonna have a prostate biopsy. It's gonna be the worst thing you've ever experienced in your life. You know what? The doctor was right. It is the worst thing, <laughs> but I was prepared. <laughs> At least I knew going in, right? So, when you tell the client what's going to happen to them up front, they immediately not only take more interest, they're predisposed to seeing you in a favorable light because you're not sugarcoating it, right? Think about stuff that you've seen in the media where people have not been transparent, 
right? And then you find out the truth and you're like, oh my God, if they would have just said this up front, it would have been so much easier or it, would have been, it wouldn't have been easier, but I would have been prepared, right? So that's the first thing you got going for you. The second thing you've got going for you in this instance, when you, when you share that information is they are involved. They're gonna pay attention. They're not gonna be on their phone because they know they're not getting out of that room without making a decision, right? And they know that they're more afraid, candidly, they're more afraid of saying no than they are of saying yes because the fear of missing out on something good is far greater than the other side of the spectrum, right? What if this guy is a great lawyer and I don't hire him and I hire some schmuck and this whole thing gets screwed up and I get fired, right? That's what they're really worried about. So saying no is much, much harder than saying yes if you've set it up this way, all right? Now, each of you may need to create your own script to get to this point, but I promise you, when you do this up front, you're, you know, my, my wife has this expression, right? My wife is a fantastic cook and she never thinks her stuff is any good. But when she says to me, you got to try this, it's going to change your life. I know the stuff is really good, right? I know her food is really good when she says that. So what I'm telling you about this part, this, this little script that I will share with you, this script will change your life. Because number one, you're going to stop going to crappy meetings, okay? You're going to get, when people come to your office to meet with you, you're going to get an answer from them or you're not going to set a meeting. They're going to give you a yes or a no or you're not going to agree to let them in the door. And if they should decide, if they should say, listen, I can't really decide. I know we said we were going to decide. I can't really decide. What you're going to say to them is you're going to get right in their face and you're going to say, tell me no. Then just say no. If you can't decide, tell me no. And they can't do it. So if you can't say no, then let's just say yes. Let's just agree to do it. And then what I'm going to show you down the road, I don't think it's next week. No, it's two weeks from now. You're going to create options, okay? And when you create choices of yes, it makes it so much easier than giving them just a yes or no option, all right? But I want to make sure that we're okay with qualification and we're okay with the upfront script. I'm gonna write all this out for you and I'm gonna share it with you on slides. It's in the book, I'll highlight where it is. I see some of you have already sent me an email. Um, I'll send the book to you and I'll highlight where it is in the book for you on a post-it when I send you the book. But if we do all of this work to get you some new leads and then you get to the point where you're not closing 90% of these people who are in front of you, then I've committed malpractice. So this is the thing that, this is the riding of the bicycle here, right? This is the thing that if you get this right, when you'll be so confident when you're having these meetings with people, you'll feel so much better about the way these things are gonna go because you've set them up correctly. Does that make sense? Yeah? Anybody have any questions about, uh, about what we talked about, about the kind of the qualification process and, and that sort of thing? Stephanie, I know we've talked about this before. Does some of this sound familiar? I think you guys have built a system around this at one point, right? We did. We created a whole intake script 
Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Uh, we created the whole intake script together with you. And then um, most recently in the past six months, we implemented the, the reservation fee or the booking fee where you have to pay the fee, a nominal fee to get on his calendar. And um, it really does weed out the tire kickers and they get credit for it. So if they're planning to hire an attorney, there's no skin off their nose. Right. And a hundred bucks is not enough to scare them off. So um, there's a lot of pushback and a lot of people think about it. So we just follow up a lot over the next couple of weeks and eventually they make the appointment. So um, that has been a game changer for us in getting our conversion rate up and eliminating a lot of tire kicker meetings. Great. So, so here's what, you know, here, one of the things we're going to do, I want to have a, I want to have a discussion. Um, I want to have a, dis a discussion about consultation fees. I'm going to have to work that into the program this month because uh, Steve Klitzner is probably the only successful attorney I work with who doesn't charge a consultation fee. You know, most of the attorneys I know don't. So this is going to be interesting for me just uh, for learning. Yeah. Most yeah. of the people you, you, you know, you know why, you know why they don't, because they're not they're the, the, the level of confidence isn't, uh, isn't there. And listen, if you charge a consultation fee, you can always waive it. Right. Mm -hmm. So in the case of like, if I was, if I, if I was a transactional attorney at Offit Kerman and I was pitching Doug K as a litigator, I would say to them, listen, Doug charges, uh, you know, Doug, Doug gets, uh, Doug's hourly rate is 450 an hour. Is your rate 450? What's your rate, Doug? <laughs> Go ahead. Come on. <laughs> 440. 440. It should be 450. 449. Doug, Doug's hourly rate is 450, right? And, <laughs> uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to spend a good 90 minutes with you. So, you know, he should, he should probably be charging you 650, $700 for this consultation you know, I'm going to ask him to waive the fee because you work with me uh, and I'll bring him in and he'll give you an assessment of the, you know, of your situation. You can always waive it, right? You can say you charge it and only make one person charge, one person pay it. And that's the person who you think is going to be a huge pain in the ass, right? So uh, I'm, a, I'm a big proponent of that. Um, one sec, Stephanie. I, I'm a big proponent of that. And I, I, I'm a guy who, you know, people call me for one-off advice all the time. And I have on my website that I charge a consultation fee and about half the people pay the consultation fee. And then if they hire me at some point, I roll that into whatever they're, whatever they're paying me. But if somebody's referred from a client, I waive the consultation fee, right? When I was in yeah. BNI, if somebody was referred from BNI, I would waive the consultation fee. Right. If uh, if anybody who knows my wife calls me, I waive the consultation fee. Right. Because I don't want to hear my wife screaming and yelling. So, um, you know, if you have it, it's a tool that you can use to build a relationship. Stephanie. So um, we're not all the way to consultation fee yet. We're just calling this a booking fee to hold your appointment because we have a limited number of appointments. OK, um, I'd like to get to the consultation fee. Um, but then I feel like if we have the consultation fee, we need to have something still they could get for free, which wouldn't be with the attorney. So it would be sort of a, a strategy session to make, to, to see if you want to qualify for an appointment with the attorney, at which point you'll pay. Yeah. So, well, you know, you know, a couple of things, a couple of things to think about. One is that, um, 
you know, Sergio is going to give them strategy anyway. Right. right. Whether you charge him the consultation fee or not, he's going to give them a strategy. The second thing is he's going to conflict himself out of the case. Right. So he can't represent the other side. Right. And then the third thing is you have malpractice exposure. So whether you charge the fee or not, you, you know, if, if he gives bad advice or he gives advice that they implement that doesn't go the way they want, you know, he may not lose a malpractice case, but you, you still have, you still have exposure. So, um, you know, I mean that to me, that's, that's all, usually that's all I have to say, uh, when, uh, when we talk about, when we talk about consultation, yeah, that's true. you know, you got, you're, you're giving advice, you're conflicting yourself out and you have malpractice exposure. But, you know, for me or for like for Chris Cartesano, who's giving, uh, you know, who's, who's, a, you know, who I, I would relabel Chris a professional brand consultant, right? A personal brand consultant. You know, he's going to give advice on how to dress. I mean, that advice That's is valuable. Always give it for free, unfortunately. Yeah, but I mean, it's worth a hundred bucks, you mm -hmm. know, it, it, it's worth a hundred bucks to know your tie matches your suit, for God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> That'll do it for this episode of the Inside BS Show. My name is Dave Lorenzo. We're here every day. And if you'd like more information about my inner circle business development community, please go to joindavelorenzo.com. That's joindavelorenzo.com. There you'll find an invitation to apply for membership in the business development community. Now, membership only costs $3,550 per year. That investment will go up on the first of the month. So if you'd like to join us, get your application in now. That investment is easily recouped by acquiring just one new client. And we are all confident. Every member of the Inner Circle Business Development Community is confident that if you join us, you'll be able to recoup that investment in very short order. So visit joindavelorenzo.com. That's joindavelorenzo.com and fill out your application for membership today. I hope to see you on the inside.